Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is December the 4th, 2020. Strong hand, only the beginning. Buying over crying. Personal responsibility is the new counterculture. Buy and hold. This game is not rigged. One day closer to an all-time high. In motion, five-digit realm. I'm offended by selling. Compete, don't complain. Wow, this week was pretty busy. We actually got to an all-time high. Wow, exciting. Hello, my elite friends. If you have questions, I have answers. You can ask questions during this. Do a super chat. Do a big type in Bitcoin Meister in there. We got three awesome guests. They're all linked to below. They're all returning guests. They're legendary. BTC Sessions, you know him. Brandon, you know him. And of course, the great uh, Dragon Lord, you, you guys know him also. This is his second time on the show. All right, we're going to start off. We're not going to start off with the all-time high news. That was the, that was big news, but we're calm. We value our wealth in Bitcoin. We have more Bitcoin than we did at the beginning of the week probably. So we're not we're not fiat freaks. We're going to talk about some bureaucratic disgusting noise that was out there in, in the United States of America. The Stable Act. Oh, what is the Stable Act uh, proposal? Now, it's not going to get passed most likely. But Brandon had some awesome uh, commentary uh, over DM and over uh, Twitter. It's it's linked to below. This is a crony government using the guise of critical race theory to kill innovation. I agree. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this guy just wrote a bill to try and make it illegal to run an Ethereum node. My new favorite thing about Bitcoin is that it just forced the Progressive Party to claim uh, to claim that creating an opt-in financial system is predatory while the legacy financial institutions protect minorities. Okay, I combined a lot of things there, Brandon, but that was just to get you going here. What was this stable act? Who was behind it? And uh, what, what do you foresee uh, going forward? Yeah, yeah. So there was a good summary of kind of, uh, I, I can't believe how triggered I was when I read this, but it just, it really got me going. Uh, and so it's uh, Talib, Garcia, and Lynch, and then kind of written by a few different people, including the guy who runs uh, the Stanford Digital Currency Initiative. I thought this guy would understand what he's doing, but that was the guy that I was quoting where he basically was trying to interpret the law and say that, or the pot potential bill, say that it would, among other things, make it illegal to run a node that uh, confirms a smart contract that includes a stablecoin. So basically it, it calls the node runners themselves counterparties to any sort of smart contract. I mean, it is absolutely absurd just from its like base understanding of how this thing works and then to the there's so many different threads that i would want to pull at here but it's the idea that we would come in with a swooping you know sweeping sort of uh, uh bill to make it basically impossible for a little guy to try and spin up a a stable coin uh you know, it's it's not going to stop Libra. It's not going to stop Facebook. Facebook can spend the money to do, uh, you know, to get their banking charter. That's no problem for them. They may try and have to do some, you know, lobbying for it. But it's the random, you know, it's Tether that gets screwed by this. It's Dai. The, you know, it's all of these stable coins, and ultimately, it can be Bitcoin that gets screwed by this. And that's why I really care about it. This is laying groundwork upon which they can start regulating Bitcoin in a way that you know it's never needed to be regulated before. And, uh, you know, the OCC comptroller, uh, I forget his name, the guy from Coinbase, but, uh, you know, he had a really good quote in one of the articles saying that this is the equivalent of the post office having to uh, hand out email addresses to everyone else. 
I mean, it's it's just it's absolutely absurd to think that this is how we're going to regulate the the crypto space. And the thing that really set me off was when they tried to, in their you know announcement for it, say that you know somehow this opt-in decentralized system is predatory to minorities, whereas the legacy financial system protects minorities. It's like, have you, are you, what are you talking about? The like the most predatory system we've ever put in place is the legacy financial system. It literally keeps poor people poor. I don't know how you can begin to pretend that that is like some sort of protection of minorities. So all that being said, uh, I'm, I'm going to try and cut it right there, but well, no, I couldn't I, believe I, I, I've, got, I've got questions here. Does this stem from their obsession with hating on Facebook and showing to their constituents that they're doing something to Facebook. I mean, I, I don't, it, part of this is, I, I, I'm glad that the stable coins are now acting as a shield uh, to Bitcoin. They, they're, they're picking on the stable coins. Great, that's great. Um, but uh, it, it, there's, I mean, there's a lot of different angles here. Are they totally confused? Who is behind this, who, who even suggested it to them? Um, and, and, and maybe it's just all about Facebook envy. So do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. And you know, uh my question has always been since I've read this is who is behind this? Like whose plan was it to roll this out? Because they're using all of the buzzwords to get this through. It's against big tech. It's a, you know, protecting minorities. It's, you know, all of this kind of uh baloney that they've attached to what is in and of itself just an attempt to corral innovation in the US and send it elsewhere. Uh and so, you know, I think that the probably the lawmakers here are useful idiots. You know, in my opinion, this these are freshman lawmakers. They don't know anything about how the system works. And someone got in their pockets and told them this is the bill that we need. And uh, they were like, "All right, we'll just write it and publish it. Can't wait." And you know, it's also interesting that Rashida Tlaib, uh, she was talking to or like did a, a full letter against OCC Comptroller uh, uh, Ben or Brian or whatever his name was. I forget what his name is, but. Uh, she, like when he first wrote that uh, piece a couple week, uh, a couple months ago, I guess now, uh, saying that you know banks can hold crypto on their balance sheet or something to that extent, uh, she had written something basically saying you had no right to say that. So I don't know exactly who's in her pocket or like how she's going about looking at all of this, but at best she's just fundamentally wrong, and at worst there's something really malevolent and weird going on here. Yeah, it's, it's a combination of both. Uh, <laughs> well, I, we're going to talk about the OCC uh, a little bit later on. I got to say, they've been cool with Bitcoin, and I'm glad it, it triggered uh, her uh, to, into hating them and saying they're racist or something. All right, Benny, you're in Canada. What's your take on all this? Uh, I mean, it's uh, first of all, I doubt that this is going to get any sort of traction. Like, I, I think it'll it'll end up being a big nothing burger. The that said, like, uh, partly. I don't know, like they're, they're talking in a couple of the articles about it um, treating stable coins as like a deposit, like you've deposited something, you've deposited dollars in and then you get a promissory, whatever, it, however they worded it. But I mean, there's different ways that you can quote unquote deposit dollars and have something that you can transact with elsewhere. Like, does this capture gift cards perhaps um the other thing that i found interesting they're talking about uh you know reserves when it comes to stable coins and i, I was looking at that being like wait what why would 
stable coins require higher level of reserves than than regular banking. Like they're they're talking about as if reserve requirements were a worry. When didn't they just get rid of minimal reserve requirements for banks across the U.S. in the midst of the of the everything happening right now so i just i find it to be a little bit of a a double standard and they're they're looking at this again as bran was saying you know they're they're looking at this as if traditional finance and the legacy financial system is this like beacon of hope and we need to stop this open free system that that can uh disenfranchise everybody by allowing them to do as they please with their money it's just absolutely insane to me so again i think it's going to end up being a nothing burger but it shows like the cognitive dissonance of the people that are trying to put together this kind of stuff and just how hopeless they even are when it comes to trying to get regulations going you know, one thing you said, if I could jump in real quick, that uh, I forgot to mention is Coin Center kind of did a, uh, you know, what are the unexpected or unintended consequences? And like they paraphrased unintended as like, are these unintended? I don't even know. But they were talking about the fact that the way that it's worded, uh, it should, but it doesn't apply to things like PayPal or Venmo or anywhere else where you deposit dollars and then you have a balance of dollars there. They would technically from a logical standpoint be included in this. And yet it's only for those projects that are deemed stable coins. So it's like, they do the exact same thing effectively from a regulatory standpoint. And yet, because we don't call them stable coins, they're not included in this, uh, uh, you know, regulation bill. So I thought that was really interesting too. Yeah, I, I just, for, for a stable coin, they have to apply for a bank charter. I mean, this is, Overregulation, and who is this guy behind it? I, I forgot his name now. The one that 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 you were commenting on, it it just, it just seems like he he wants to. You mentioned the Ethereum node or something like that with him. What's the guy's name? Uh, and I mean, who is he exactly? I, I don't I don't get it. Uh, 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 yeah, Rohan Gray. Yes. Is his name. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he is among other things. He runs the. Uh, Digital Currency Global Initiative at Stanford. All right. This guy isn't just some like random dude who looked at stablecoins once and thought, oh, I don't know. Uh, like if you would think that he knows what he's talking about. He doesn't like he clearly doesn't get it. Or if he does, he's a really malevolent actor in the space. Well, but well, uh, it, it, it seemed to me he is like a statist beyond statism. I mean, like a big fan of regulation to a, a like a total uh, compliant little you know what I, I was i was very surprised and he seemed well, intelligent he's, so he's an mmt uh among other things so you know he's he's coming surprise, from like that surprise. kind of standpoint uh and you know what else is interesting is uh some of the people who he likes to tweet with and like talk to are the bitfinex of the world the amy casters the the people who love to focus on Tether and pretend that somehow Tether is the only reason Bitcoin's succeeding. So, you know, I, I see where he gets his content from and, and how he has his conversations. And that's the lens by which he views this entire space. Uh, it's just really a, a travesty to the world that this guy gets to get anywhere near uh, a bill because he just has no idea what's going on. All right. Uh, Dragon Lord, what do you think? You're, you're in some undisclosed location, not, not in the United States. Well, what's your take on, on this from afar? It's a travesty. It's, it's, it's like a big joke, basically. Uh, 
a few years ago, also, for example, Second Light was forced in order to uh, create anti uh, money laundering regulations for its virtual world, for where you know you guys probably heard about Linden dollars. Now they pro they also introduced ALM and KYC solutions into their platform with the new Telia uh, financial processing website that they got partnered with. Now they kind of really interesting situation there because it's how the U.S. is trying to you know clamp down on digital currency and try to like bring it under its oversight. They, they, you know, they try to enforce people to do all these kind of things, and it's and it's really shady. But what the controller is trying to do right now is that they're trying to control people what transactions are going to be going on. It's similar to what what with the with the travel rule is going to be happening now. They're trying to force you know miners in order to control transactions. They they're trying to create compliant mining pools in order to make people reject certain transactions that is deemed. Uh, how would I say the word? Um, Inappropriate? An, an unwanted or or unfeasible transactions that, that you know might be risky for for a government in order to proceed that they would view as something as financing terrorism or is participating in money laundering, for example. But how do you how do you counter terrorism and money laundering if, for example, if the entire thing is happening in Bitcoin and there is no money leaving Bitcoin at all? So if you're financing financing terrorism, and the terrorists are accepting Bitcoin. Then, but if they are not exchanging it to U.S. dollar, how are you going to apply any reasonable anti-money laundering or anti-terrorism financing law onto Bitcoin if they're just gonna keep the Bitcoin? What what's happening after that? It's like a big gray area. Indeed, you know, I think what with this interference. Uh, leads to or maybe some in bureaucracy uh and, and technocrats technocrats feel uh that it's setting the stage for them to uh make it easier for people to use their central bank digital currencies it's setting the stage for the introduction of a central bank digital currency where uh everyone will be monitored so it, all these regulations that are they won't even be necessary because everyone will be under the thumb and the eye of the watchful government we have a tweet from Brand here that says, for the people from Brand, for, for the people in the back, central bank digital currencies will be the greatest tool of financial surveillance and privacy infringement in the history of human civilization. Whoa, Brandon, that's, that's a pretty big uh, quote right there. It is, he's uh, right. Yeah, so yeah, I want to hear it. And Christine Lagarde has been talking more and more about the European uh a proposed a digital currency and that Bitcoin is no good and she gives problems with Bitcoin and with with these private. Uh, so we, in the United States, we see they're attacking the private stable coins. Uh, and in overall in the world, they want to create their, the governments want to create their own public or national uh, stable coin. So what's your take on that, uh, Dragon Lord? Uh, it's... It's it's a bit problematic because it will increase financial surveillance of people. That's for sure. Uh, if we lose access to cash, there will be no anonymity within cash transactions. So it would be really hard for seeing drug addicts to you know how they're gonna acquire Monero or something like that to buy stuff on the dark market. And then you know then we're gonna have the samurai guys coming in here and saying bad things about you know Bitcoin and then push people more onto you know XMR or something. But I don't see that like as as a 
net positive overall. But as how Bitcoin keeps progressing, and we're probably going to see more better technologies coming in. They're going to, you know, but as, as you know, the fee is going to get even more expensive over time. We, we probably have to start transitioning off from the main layer, basically. Okay. Uh, Brand, what's your, what's your thought on your, your, your quote there about the central banks, the greatest tool of financial surveillance and the privacy infringement in the history of uh, human civilization? Yeah. So, I mean, for starters, you don't have to take my word for it. Look at the first country in the world to try and enact their own central bank digital currency. It's the CCP in China. I mean, this is, they see it as this ultimate tool for them to begin to further control their people. I mean, uh, you know, at, at, at its core, we're talking about privacy. And really, you cannot have privacy if you can't interact with people in an exchange of value without a central AI or, or monitoring system watching you do it. And and it's it's terrifying to think that you can't do that. I mean, that is the, the core of freedom. And I can't imagine a single dystopia in which you have private financial interactions. Like, like every single... Uh, dystopia you can imagine there is this surveillance over your transactions and, and how you interact with the world around you so it, it's absolutely uh, you know it's the scariest thing I think that's happening in the world right now you know beyond everything else that's scary that's happening the idea that we are gonna put everyone's transactions onto a, a ledger for governments to have privileged access to and track is just beyond the pale of, of uh, inhumane do you think that some of this proposed regulation is to, you know, ease the way into digital currency, uh, uh, a central bank digital currency? You know, they talk about it a little bit in the uh, release that, you know, uh, they, they don't trust big tech to get, um, you know, these these uh, stable coins out. But a digital central bank digital currency would make it much easier to get poor people their stimulus money. So, like, they, they throw it out there right there. So. Absolutely, this is a stepping point to that. Uh, and you know, I'm I'm an optimist. Uh, I'm a, I'm an eternal optimist, and I truly believe that these people don't understand what they're doing, uh, or like what the third, fourth order consequences of these actions are. And that's why they're going forward at such a belligerently uh, reckless pace. But you know, that doesn't mean that these consequences aren't real. And and you know, I'm I'm very wary of them. All right, everybody, check these guys out below. Pound that like button. Benny, uh, what what's your take on, you know, Canada's working on their central bank digital currency now. <laughs> I, I, they, I think they had a failed version of it in, back in like 2014 or 2015 in the first place. Uh, that didn't really go very well. But yes, I think... I think it's only a matter of time before we're seeing again, we're like the CCP. It's, it seems to be on the horizon here. Um, I think I, I, I like brands, uh, quote, belligerently. What was it? Belligerently, uh, reckless, reckless. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that take on it. It is for sure. Belligerently reckless the way that these things are being approached. But I also kind of like the game theory of all of this stuff in that, what you've got, you've got central banks that are trying to make their own coins. They're going after like private uh, stable coins. They're all trying to issue their own stable coins. They're all, and then you've got companies, you've got, you know, semi, we'll, we'll say quote unquote, decentralized options like, like Tether. You've got, you know, Coinbase and all of them doing their own thing. All the while they're fighting each other and Bitcoin's just kind of there. <laughs> it's just in the background. So everybody's trying to 
create something that directly benefits them in some way, shape or form. And meanwhile, Bitcoin is just existing. And I think, you know, stable coins are only as useful as people are using the actual currency that it either is or underlies it. And I think over time, like a, a decade or two out, I don't think it will matter because a lot of people assuming that the monetary policies remain the same two decades from now, who's going to be using a, 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 a massively inflated currency? So yes, in the short term, absolutely. The, the implications of somebody holding money that is directly issued by a central bank that can be linked to a social credit score that could be potentially whittled away if you don't spend it quick enough, like literally negative interest rates inside your pocket. That's insane. Uh, but if they go that route, how many people are going to stick with that? How many people are going to say Spoilers, there is an nobody? Exactly. If, if there is an opt out, which there is, and that opt out can't be shut down, which in my opinion, it can't, who's going to stay? I, I think that it's, it's a sinking ship and they're just, they've got like a, a Dixie cup and they're trying to <laughs> pour some of it out. All right, that is a, that's a that's a good take on the situation. We're we're optimists here, baby. If you're in the Bitcoin overlay, you're in good shape. Don't don't value your wealth in a central bank digital currencies, to, to say the least. Negative interest rates, they will. Uh, it sounds crazy, but they're going to be able to do it easily. Um, and uh, China's leading the way again. No, and people people want to replicate what China's doing. It's disgusting. Now there is good news out of all the bureaucracies of the world. The OCC in the United States, the Office of the Controller of Currency, they that dude over there, they seem to be uh, cryptocurrency friendly, uh, uh, more so than most of the entities that we've been talking about. The U.S. won't ban Bitcoin, says OCC head Brian Brooks. All right, because there was a rumor out there. Well, uh, earlier in the week or last week, Brian Armstrong of Coinbase uh, said that uh, they – there was going to be some intense regulation on a third party wallets and uh, we don't have to get into all that. And it just was leading people down a, a negative road. But OCC straight up came out and, you know, got rid of the FUD and said that, that they have no intention, at least, of, of banning uh, Bitcoin in the United States, which makes a lot of sense because there are a lot of people. Uh, a lot of entities that got a lot of money into uh, in, in Bitcoin right now. So I don't know, uh, BTC Ben, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, is it just stating the obvious, or is that reassuring? I mean, I, I think when he when he said that they won't ban Bitcoin, a better way to say it is we can't ban Bitcoin. Uh, but besides the fact, yeah, I, I think. He didn't directly answer the question, which was around uh, privately held wallets, whether there's going to be regulations there. He he didn't really respond to that. He said stuff like, we want to get this right. And um, you're going to see a lot of positive things for crypto coming down the pipeline and that it's going to be it's going to work for everyone. And it's going to be a lot less bad than people are expecting. I mean, a, a, a regulator's idea of a lot less bad is very different than a Bitcoiner's idea of a lot less bad but besides the fact i think there's too many people moving into it and taking custody themselves 
to really clamp down on that aspect of it. Like you, you see the Michael Saylors of the world buying up Bitcoin, self-custodying it, pulling it off exchanges. We're seeing outflows, record outflows from exchanges right now of people pulling their money off of exchanges. And that's besides the fact that 88 point, almost 89% of all Bitcoin in existence has already been mined and only like 10 to 15% of it actually resides with custodians right now. So when you see those types of numbers, like how do you rein in that 60 something percent of the outstanding currency into trusted third party wallets? I just don't see it happening. Um, so yeah, like I, are, is there going to be some sort of attempt at, at regulation? Obviously regulators going to regulate, but can they clamp down and force people to use custodian wallets? I, I very much doubt so at this point. All right. Uh, so the, the Brian Armstrong rumor still could be uh, so, somewhat true there. That, that, that didn't end that. So Brandon, what, what's your take on the, the OCC guy just saying it's not going to get banned? Well, and for a bit of context too, the OCC guy got to his position after being a council, regulatory council for Coinbase. So Brian and Brian know each other very well uh, going back and forth. Um, you know, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when they talk about this kind of stuff, but I, I have no idea where either of their head is truly at. Um, you know, ultimately Brian Armstrong is going to be in the rarefied seat that at some point there will be regulation that will negatively affect his Coinbase users. And he will have to decide whether or not he accepts that regulation or defies it. And, uh, you know, everyone questions whether Brian's really a Bitcoiner or whether he's just in it to make money. And we will find out eventually because he will have to be a, you know, either a central point of control and surveillance, or he will be the point at which the U.S. government fails to regulate Bitcoin. Uh, so there's there's one point to the the point that you know the U.S. will not ban Bitcoin. You know the U.S. will not ban Bitcoin because of so many different reasons. Probably the number one being that there is already a strong narrative of Bitcoin being just a digital gold, and there's no reason to ban a digital gold because you know they don't ban gold. Uh, you know you can't do a uh, what was it the nine o uh, 9102, uh, 6102, you know, whatever it was. 6102. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, they can't do that with Bitcoin because, uh, the U S dollar is not based on Bitcoin. So, you know, that's the difference between, you know, what they did with gold and what you can do with Bitcoin. U S dollar is not Bitcoin backed. It was gold backed when they tried to do that. So, you know, I'm not worried about that. Now, an interesting kind of side note and something that I feel like a lot of people don't pay attention to is that someone like a Michael Saylor, right? You know, everyone loves to champion Michael Saylor. He's gotten into the space. He's a loud voice. Michael Saylor is not pro decentralized currency. Michael Saylor only looks at it as a store of value digital gold. Uh, and, you know, what I'm worried about is, is that, you know, if we just let Bitcoin become this de uh, these decentralized, you know, digital gold, and we don't worry about protecting its moneyness, eventually it will only serve to be a tool for the wealthy and a tool for people to have a uh, you know a store of value, and it won't be a tool for people to have true freedom. And so you know I want to make that distinction when we're talking about Bitcoin that it is important to be able to transact this peer to peer without central middlemen 
without any sort of regulation. You know, you have to be able to, uh, uh, you have to be able to do that. Very well said there. Uh, you, we, we just put a lot on the table there, uh, BTC. Uh, 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 Dragon, Dragon, your, your turn. We put a lot on the table there. You have comments, Coinbase, OCC saying Bitcoin's not going to be uh, illegal, uh, anything. Holy shit. Ben wants to say something. What is it, Ben? I was just going to say, uh, I agree on the sailor point that he has pretty bad takes on uh, when it comes to, oh, this shouldn't be a currency, um, you know, for transactional use. I think that's a pretty bad take. Uh, I like his position of, of its use as, as sound money and uh, a way of opting out of, of inflation and, and a poor store of value. Uh, but yeah, when he talks about how people should use Bitcoin, I think Bitcoin's just going through phase shifts of before it gets to being able to be used peer to peer very easily. I use the Lightning Network literally every single day now. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that transactionally, it's important to be able to do that too. Um, so yeah, I'm pro sailor on the uh, get out of dollars, but not pro sailor on the don't use it transactionally and privately. All right, Dragon, your turn. I mean, nobody should be using custodial solutions. I mean, how crazy do you have to be to give somebody your Bitcoin to store it on exchange and you want to get hacked? Yeah, go on. But this is the sad fact that lots of people don't understand it's going to happen. Lots of people are going to be coming in the next bull cycle and in the next one who will be using custodial solutions because they will be priced out from the fee market. Because they won't be able to send it onto the main, onto the on, onto on chain. Maybe they're gonna be able to send it onto onto Lightning. But as, as lots of Lightning skeptic people keep pointing out, fee is gonna keep increasing, and it's gonna make harder for people to create channels between, you know, wallets on Lightning, and and it's gonna be a problem. And some people have been saying that it maybe it would be possible to create Chamian banks on Lightning, which would make it much more easier for people to, to use Lightning. Because if you would have a big group of entity there who can trustlessly hold Bitcoin and not have it hacked, but still people could use it like as a bank and still being able to, you know, transact from that that point without any restriction to any party outside of it, then that could probably work. But that's probably the dream here. But we don't know what could happen in the future. And uh, and yeah, basically that's it because the rest is so complicated and, and just it's so bogus. It just after a while they either gonna fall apart because because we're gonna gain power over time when we can, you know, fight back against government. Because that's the end game here. Lots of people who buy Bitcoin right now or previously bought Bitcoin didn't really understand that, that over time, what value you're going to have in the future will be adjusted by inflation. And inflation not just adjusts the, power, the value of your Bitcoin, but the power that you're able to build with that Bitcoin. Because in the right hand, Bitcoin can become a real weapon, right? Like a 3D printed weapon easily. And, 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 and this is what I keep repeating all the time is that Bitcoin knows no borders. No laws, no judges, no politician, no police, and no armies. 
Nobody can stop it. If somebody has a lot of Bitcoin and in the future wants to wage war, he will be able to deplete that money and fight a war he wants to. And this is a bit scary, but it within his right if he bought Bitcoin to do that. As long as he doesn't attack us or other Bitcoiners, I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's See, what I got hoping for. <laughs> freedom, freedom can be quote unquote scary. I mean, but uh, people uh, use it use it wisely. But Bitcoin is the door to freedom. You can, as I mentioned out, I've mentioned so many times in the Bitcoin overlay. If you don't work for anyone, you work for yourself, and all your wealth is in Bitcoin. You can say whatever you want to. You can't get canceled. You can't get fired from your job. That's a that's the true freedom. Uh, that's that very true, is. man. Yeah, it's I like love it. we, we are totally anti cancel here. It's like not anti cancel, more like uncancelable, basically. It just Fine. it's impossible. It just <laughs> it's like yeah, I talk back to all the liberals on Twitter and, and they, they really piss me off really badly. And like and I see these leftists raiding shops in the US and then destroying wealth, but they keep doing it just it's badness, but this is the whole point: is that the system, the current system that they trying to, you know, bring about, created their own problem, because the central banking system that creates the money for them, prints out the money, gives them the, uh, you know, the stimulus checks and all this stuff. This is what robs their value from them. And over time, they're going to become much more poor and they will be much more upset. And then when other people who become much more upset, they will select another conservative guy, maybe Trump again, or maybe Trump somehow solves this problem right now. I don't know. Then, you know, then the, the liberals, gonna, the lefties going to come and they're going to start blaming again the conservatives that they are the Nazis and things. And then there will be a time in the future when they will be coming after Bitcoiners because we will have the money. Yeah, and this is the most scary. Yeah, the envy. The envy will kick in one day, and they will be blaming us as the Nazis, the fascists, the whatever else. Because you know these these leftist Nazi fascists, they they are ready to you know blame anything onto anybody, just as long as they get their way in the system. Well, I, I like your uncancelable. Uncancelable. I like that. Now I want to I want to bring it back down to laws again here. We're going to go to the American on the panel, Brandon, because there's a question here uh, that pertains to being an American. Uh, what what will happen if the feds pass laws that conflict with um, state laws? Uh, I.e., I'm just making sure you heard that there. What will what will happen if the feds pass laws that conflict with state laws? I.e., Wyoming. Will the states reestablish their sovereignty and nullify these types of laws? Hmm. I wouldn't worry about that too much. But uh, Brandon, do you have a, a thought on that? Well, I mean, uh, you know, generally anything that isn't in the Constitution due to the Elastic Clause and uh, in the Tenth Amendment should be going to the states to uh, manage. Uh, of course, that's not going to happen. And, you know, it's it's a bit of a pipe dream to hope that'll happen. The government, central government will control and regulate this kind of stuff. Uh, so will the states secede over it? I doubt it, uh, because ultimately the states are just, you know, we've lost state sovereignty it is really just a centralized system now uh i can't tell you when that happened but it's been a slow and steady process so i'm not hopeful for that to happen uh one thing that i wanted to go back to real quick uh because it's it's something that i feel like we didn't uh scoff at or like yell at enough is that the idea of banning third-party wallets could you imagine being in 1900 the year 1900 and the u.s government coming out and saying back then that you're not allowed to hold a physical wallet with cash in it because we don't know 
who's holding that cash at any given moment and you could be sending it to terrorists like what are what what have we come to what have we come to in a world where we can't trust people to hold their own money in private techno dystopia man this technological is, dystopia a, this one and it is born out of a few things it's born out of the bank secrecy act which only was enacted you know in the past few decades uh it's born out of the fear of terrorism and somehow we've allowed those two things to totally remove our sensibilities about what it means to be a sovereign individual to be able to hold your own wealth to be able to live your life freely of you know having to be subservient to some central authority and you know that's just that's absurd that we you know take that we don't take that like we take it for granted we take it for granted that we have you know privacy as we have it today and we don't push hard enough on making sure that that privacy continues. Um, but back to the original question, I don't have much hope there. Yeah, well, I, some people just love to be compliant. Some people do not question what the government uh, tells them is is scary and uh, terroristic and is, it's for the it's for the good of the people that you we know exactly how much money you have for the good of the country, which of course is fascism. Uh, uh, all right, BTC Benny, any uh, closing thoughts on what we've been talking about here, or is it time to talk about the all time high? Let's go all time high, man. All right, yeah, let's do that. So uh, a positive positive note here. At the beginning of the week, uh, by some measurements, we hit an all-time high in, in USD. And uh, we're not at 20K yet, so I think we're going to have a big celebration when we hit 20K. But uh, it's it's Monday started off real nice there, and various people had celebrations. And so, uh, BTC Benny, how do you celebrate? And what's what's your take on the situation? Uh, I, you know, I just had a a... I, I made myself a, a, a little glass of whiskey and just just had a, a nice little fireplace sit down and and uh, it, you know put out some boisterous excited tweets and that that was about it. I'm I'm uh, you know I'm I'm not even. It's funny because last time we got to these levels, I remember being like anxiety ridden and and just you know what's what's happening it's all happening so fast and now it's kind of it's just like it's here and you know it's you're happy that it's happening it's exciting it's fun but you're not you're not freaking out and it's it's this eerie air of yes it's exciting but it, you know, it's it's it feels like we haven't even got as gotten started yet and I think everybody um it's it's interesting because i i think that it it's a perfect mirroring maybe not perfect but it very much is rhyming with exactly how it went in 2016 2017 and it's the same kind of you know slow build up to previous all time highs you start to see the news coverage you're starting to get the phone calls and the the private messages you're starting to see more articles and and the and you're starting to see peter schiff get angry and you're starting to see all of the different things that come along with a previous bitcoin all time high coming along and i think and i mean i've seen it even like on the channel and and things like that it's it's I feel like it's going to be insane and nobody is really even it's, it's interesting this time that it's not, it doesn't seem to be so far um, uh, retail driven. It's, it's clearly a lot of institutional buying and, and, and 
people that understand the implications of what happened back in March and all of the money printing that has happened since then, um, those people are starting to move in. But I think that you're also going to get that retail FOMO because we're starting to see it much like we did previously. Um, I'm wondering if the institutional uh, effects are downside i mean had gives us less downside on the dips because they're buying so much up and because we're seeing these outflows from exchanges like we haven't seen before does that blunt a little bit of those previous 40 percent dips that we saw all through 2017 does that reduce those a little bit i don't know i guess we'll see but um if we blow past 20k having not had a sizable dip that's going to be quite different because last time in 2017 when we when we kind of got close to the previous all-time high we then took a massive hit we dropped down to like 700 and something so that was about a 40 percent dip and it took a couple months before we got up to the same levels and eventually decisively blew past it went to like 1300 or something that took a while we seem to be pretty comfortable where we are right now it doesn't seem to be any mass you know we had like a 10 percent drop but it wasn't anything crazy um i'm very curious to see how this plays out in the next month or so and i think that will kind of set the tone for the rest of the year but i i could be wrong excellent analysis there you brought up a lot of great points the cycle is rhyming with last time i mean that there's I, I, I look back on specific dates from 210,000 blocks ago, and it's, it's very similar to what's going on now. And I do like your point that, uh, that, that maybe the big money is propping this up in, in a different way. And yeah, retail, <laughs> you retail people out there, you are, you're, you're missing out. You're gonna, they're going to come in when the FOMO comes in. Uh, Dragon Lord, what's, what's your take on all-time high? Well, Bitcoin is basically becoming the personal reserve asset of the planet. It is something that people should be using in order to escape inflation. Yeah. It's the best tool to escape inflation and uh, grasp evil governments. The best tool to fight authoritarianism. The best tool to fight communism and the uh, dystopian future where government tries to see everything that you try to do. Even then you got, try to go on the toilet, they will see it. It's like everything is connected. Your phone. I mean, you go. Some people go onto the go with their phone onto the toilet. Probably the government knows where you go onto the toilet. So it basically makes sense. So we are in a dystopia right now, and they're trying to figure out how to you know control everything. And this is the point. They reach. We reach the technological point where they're able to do it. They they are able to make you have the postal service give you the email address. They're able to have you have a bank have your wallet all the time. In order just to see what you're doing, because the amount of inflation that is happening right now is becoming uncontrollable without having a completely centrally governed uh, flow of money within a country. So if you're not controlling the citizen spending, you're unable to control inflation. Because overall, the only thing that happens is that if 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 retail doesn't get the 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 money the trickle down from what the government is doing. So the U.S. government basically prints out money, buys bonds and junk stuff and everything else. And then somehow that money somehow trickles out into the open. And then that's how the inflation basically happens. It didn't realize it in the U.S. So we're not going to see the 20-30% inflation just yet, but maybe later. And in, in order for that, for government to better control inflation, they need to bring about the entire system under their own control. And, and Bitcoin is a really great escape out of this whole system, basically. 
it's a comfortable dystopia. I think uh, Doug, Doug Casey once uh, he coined that yeah. term. We're living in a com comfortable dystopia. Uh, and it's right now the people with a lot of money or the entities with a lot of money are the only ones that are waking up to the fact that, of what happened on March the 12th. And that, yeah, that, and Benny brought this up beforehand. There is inflation going on. The normies of the world, they don't care about the money printing. They want the, they want the check from the government. Everybody wants the money. Yeah, I mean, everybody would love the UVI in order to buy Bitcoin, wouldn't you like that? <laughs> Every month, some new fresh dollars in order well, to buy it. That's what we would do with the UVI. And we've gotten, we'll get another yeah. check in the United States. That's what, but most people, they just are going to accept their check and just go on, go on with life. Inflation will happen. These big entities, yeah. th these big entities are not just sitting there. They're not just accepting Obviously. the check. They're, they're, they're not, the dollar isn't going to be their uh, reserve. Uh, uh, yeah, companies aren't stupid. That's that's why you know people like Sailor came in. They saw the opportunity. They weren't stupid. They know about it. Much more institutional are coming in right now because they realize that the people realize that they were more smarter and they need to make their next move before governments start buying Bitcoin. That might be the third step before on our on our path. So I, yeah, I, I want to sure do. Venezuela is already doing that. So the, the Venezuelan military is already setting up Bitcoin mining facilities in Venezuela. So like yeah, yeah, it's ha it's happening. Yeah, who who just wanted to say something? I just oh heard something. yeah. Yeah, I was I was just going to say it's it's funny the the tactic that they're using to kind of appease people right now in that okay yeah they they shot off a $1200 check previously and everybody's like oh great we're getting we're getting new money uh we're getting free money sent to us that's great that's wonderful and it, you know it appeases people for a little bit their little pittance free but, money <laughs> yeah, yeah well yeah <laughs> yeah but what they don't know Where is it from who is, created it yeah, it's it's just points, guys. <laughs> but I was gonna say it 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 seems that people don't understand. It doesn't matter the number of dollars that you're holding. What matters is the percentage of the total base money that you actually have your hands on, and when that that ratio can be can be fiddled with, and they don't realize that that twelve hundred dollar check across uh, the U.S. Um, much more was created than just went to uh, individual citizens. And so all of a sudden you have, again, a massive influx of dollars into things other than just regular day-to-day -day people. And all of that extra money, what's that going into? Assets. And so people that are using the printed money to buy assets are put at an unfair advantage. And people that get their check and either just use it to barely scrape by or the people that get it and say, oh, hey, I've got $1,200. I've been taught nothing about personal finances through all of school. I know not how to manage my own finances whatsoever. And so I'm going to Best Buy. Now I'm going to buy a TV and a PS5. And well, that's about all I can afford because inflation. But <laughs> I'm going to go grab those things. And so... Rip. Yeah, you you get in an instance where where people who, for no fault of their own, have zero education through school on finances and and where you might want to allocate your money, are being kind of screwed. Oddly enough, by being given money, <laughs> it's this really interesting way of of of. Uh, you know, shake, give, shaking somebody's hand while stabbing them in the back simultaneously.
That is a very interesting take on the checks. It's, it's, it's only hurting them. Uh, Brandon, we, we, we've, we've diversified. We were starting to talk about the all-time high, but we, we got into this conversation. Do you have any uh, thoughts on what we're talking about or, or, or on the all-time high? Uh, yeah, all-time high-wise, I actually echo a lot of what BTC Sessions said. Uh, you know, I was expecting going into this that we were going to hit all-time highs and have like a 40% pullback. Instead, what we did is we hit all-time highs on a couple exchanges, had like almost a 20% pullback, hit all-time highs again on a couple more exchanges, had about like a 10% pullback. We just crept up to like 19.6 yesterday uh, and have had like maybe a, a 5% pullback. It feels like there are some people trying to dunk us right now so that they can scoop up Bitcoins at a, a lower price. And they just tried their third try and uh, got an even less amount that they could dunk us than the first two. Uh, so while I originally thought we were definitely going to see, you know, 14K again, I'm now questioning it. And uh, I could see us, you know, hitting all time highs and running straight through them now, uh, which is definitely I'm changing my tune there. So we'll see if that's me being too close to the trees uh, to see the forest. But it does feel like this is a, a history rhyming and not necessarily repeating for Bitcoin. Uh, in terms of, you know, where we go from here, uh, I, I very, I'm very bullish. You know, uh, I think that we'll probably see 300k plus in this next bull run uh, by the end of the year, uh, in the next year, um, and you know, it could even go beyond that. I don't think we hit escape velocity this time around. Uh, you know, I think we'll have another bear market after this, uh, but it might be the last Bitcoin bear market, uh, at least until hyper Bitcoinization. So. I, I want to tag on to that. I was going to say, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying about, you know, a, a few hundred thousand dollars, I, I don't think is out of the question. But I think at that point, when people start saying, this is it, this is hyper Bitcoinization, just like last time, this, there's never going to be another bear market again. That's when we get our bear market. Right. Yep. And so you're going to see people on on CNBC saying, well, it's, it's going to go to a million, it's going to go to 2 million within, and they'll be saying like, oh, end of 2022, it'll be, it'll be X million. And when you start to see things like that, you, it's, it's dump in time. I mean, whatever, hold, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not selling, but uh, just, just mentally prepare for that kind of, again, bear market where you see a massive dump of 60 70 80 or plus percent um it's just that you know at in the, in the depths of the bear market you might be looking at like 60 80 100k like it, it it'll it'll be dead again at multiples of where we are right now yeah totally you know bitcoin turns you into i've said this before bitcoin turns you into an emotional superhuman uh that's where you can see in the past year us go from uh, 3,000 in March 12th to 19,000 uh, in December and feel almost nothing. Uh, like, it, you know, it's a very strange, we've 6X'd and I feel almost nothing. So, I'm dead uh, inside. Exactly. I am dead <laughs> inside. You know, we, I went from we were uh, 19K, Yeah, I went from 19K to, to 3K and saw, you know, uh, uh, like all my net worth just totally uh, erased and uh, I felt nothing. So, you know, uh, come at me, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that is a strong hand right there. And 2022 is probably the next 2018. But let's just take it one day at a time. We're, I'm looking forward to 2021 being the next 2017. 
some other some other news that was out there this week or speculation. Gold, well, back on March 12th, there were a lot of people that were saying, oh, this is the comeback of gold. Finally, you know, the world's falling apart, so everyone's going to run. And gold did well for a while, mm. but Bitcoin's done better than gold. And uh, there are people saying that there is out outflows of gold into Bitcoin. Um, I don't know how you can sh show that or not. But is this is this the transition? Is this the flippening of uh, gold, Bitcoin becoming the, really the gold 2.0 and just gold really becoming old? Uh, Brandon, your, your take. Uh, I was going to look up a stat before I responded, but I won't do it. Uh, you know, we're not anywhere close to gold's market cap yet. And my, and I think until we hit that, we can't even pretend like we've flipping gold. Uh, have we flipping gold from a utility standpoint? Absolutely. Is it a matter of time before we flipping gold? Absolutely. But we haven't done it yet. So we've got a lot of ways to run before that even happens. Uh, so all that to say, I'm super bullish on it happening uh, and it will happen. And these are, you know, the trickles of, you know, the waterfall, people leaving gold as a digital, you know, or a, a, a store value and going to Bitcoin because it's better. Uh, but we, you know, we're going to run up so much before now and then. All right. Uh, Dragon Lord, uh, what, what do you think about the gold? Is it over? It's game over. All the gold bugs like Peter Schiff just need to close up shop and start buying Bitcoin because it's going to be just over. It's totally over for them. And like, how do you think? Is, is it still game on for them? Like for gold? Absolutely not. It's heavy. It's hard to maintain. You need security for it. Throw it in big banks, custodial ownership and all the rehypification of gold. And you don't even know how much gold is out there. Where, where is the gold fool know that I can verify the gold supply? <laughs> how, how does this work? It's just uh, shiny gold and jewelry. It's like, okay, you can wear it, but it's it's like a stupid thing. You can't do much with it. But with Bitcoin, you can do so many things with it. Like, yeah, yeah, basically, that's it. All right, uh, BTC Benny, gold. You know, I, I think there's there's going to be the laggards that stick with it for a while or, you know, a, just eventually they'll get old and and kind of die off over time but like realistically like yeah some people will will have some uses for gold but i think we'll re return to a value for gold that is eventually just reflective of its its uh uh its its actual uses its intrinsic use cases and things like technology and in circuitry and stuff like that it'll it'll just be industrial use value and the monetary value of it will gradually be siphoned off over time now, i don't know how quickly that will happen um i think it'll be kind of a generational shift but uh you know anything's better than fiat if it's you know somewhat finite but i i personally like i'm not i'm not going out and buying gold i guarantee most people my age are not eyeing gold as a store of value they're not going to be looking for that they're going to be looking for something that speaks to them and their current demographic and for me that's bitcoin i think for any generation younger than mine that's bitcoin i do not think it's gold so i think yeah generationally gold is on the way out um but the laggards will keep it at least holding value better than than fiat obviously um i also think that gold is useful 
in a measurement of the paradigm shift to Bitcoin. So um, uh, what I liked recently is people pointing out that the stock market in terms of dollars has you know, been performing amazingly, but the stock market in terms of gold is basically flat for years and years and years uh, because that was kind of the best uh, actual measure of finite value that we ever had. Well, that's about to change. All right, you you have come up with a, a term. Uh, I don't know. Did you come up with the stackening? Was it was it you? Uh, that, that, that was not me. That was uh, Doctor Bitcoin MD or something like that on Twitter. Uh, he was he was tweeting about it the other day. I just saw it and and shared it out. I thought it was fantastic. But he he impromptu coordinated a global. Uh, market buy of Bitcoin and just picked an arbitrary time and everybody just kind of jumped on and stacked some sats at a particular time. The memes were flying. The videos were flying. I thought it was fun. And I have more sats than I did before the stackening. I thought it was great. <laughs> I, I think it's a term. I, I like it. That's why I'm bringing it up. And you taught me about it because I, I wouldn't have heard it about it otherwise. Just that it doesn't have to just be a one-time thing. It's it. That's what people should consider it all the time. Constantly stack, always be stacking. We're living through a time when more and more people are stacking and they're not selling. So we're in the era of the stacking. I, I would like to interpret it that way. That, that's, that's how I, I interpret the, uh, it's, it's a fun, it's, I like it better than the flipping and we, we had, we've had different, uh, different ones out there, but that, that was creative. Uh, so th thank you for introducing uh, me to that. Uh, if I can add one thing to that, uh, $1 right now can still buy you over 5,000 sats, which is just crazy. So remember that you can still get over 5,000 sats with just $1. All right. Yes, definitely remembered it. Now we're, we're, uh, value your wealth in stats, value, <laughs> value your wealth in a Bitcoin. Uh, we got, uh, we're at the end of the show here. I want everybody to tell me what they're doing, the stories that were left off, anything, uh, they want to add. Uh, you know, so, something else that was in the news, uh, we used to have something called, and maybe we'll have it again this year. Uh, someone's gonna have to take charge of proof of keys because Trace Mayer is missing in action. So I don't know if anyone wants to talk about that, but let's, uh, uh BTC, uh, uh, I mean, Dr Dragon Lord, what, what are your, what are you up to, uh, your conclusionary thoughts? Thank you for being on today. Uh, well, thanks for having me. I'm going to be soon releasing my book, my thesis, basically book format. Probably soon in 2021, maybe early next year. As soon as it's done, hopefully it will be useful for people to use it. And basically that's it. All right. Short but sweet there. Uh, Brandon, how about you? What's going on? Any stories you want to talk about? Anything uh, that was left off? What, you, what are you up to? Uh, nothing really. I think that's left off. I'm curious to see this weekend, whether or not we're going to have another, uh, sideways or dump or whether, you know, this is where Bitcoin, everyone's expecting it to go sideways or dump during the weekend. And so this time is where it finally takes off. Uh, will be interesting to see, uh, uh, in terms of things for me to shill myself, uh, always have to talk about Bitcoin 2021. Uh, it's April 30th through May 1st of next year. I I'm running content for it. So uh, I'm really excited about who we have. We have uh, already gotten four headliners, uh, Nick Zabo, Tony Hawk, Chamath Palahapatiya, and Jack Dorsey. I have some really exciting speaker announcements in the wings. So make sure if you guys want to party after this whole uh, 
virus thing is over, you know, come party with the Bitcoiners at Bitcoin 2020, uh, 2021. And it's going to be an amazing time. Uh, I hope Los Angeles has regained its sanity by that time. I plan on being there. Uh, my fingers are crossed. I think we should have it no matter what. Uh, all right, uh, uh, Benny, you, know, you, you got the last word here. Yeah. Uh, first off, I will say I have my tickets for Bitcoin 2021. Bitcoin 2019 was insane. And it was actually in the midst of the the kind of uh, pump that we had up to around 13K in mid 2019, which it was just like euphoria. euphoria. I can only imagine an event of this caliber in the midst of a bull run. Uh, again, just going to be insane. So I fully plan on being there. Um, myself, I, you know, doing the show, I'm, I'm a hundred percent all in Bitcoin all the time now, and I'm doing content all the time. Uh, and I've got a show coming up in two hours called, why are we bullish? And I've got a, a killer panel. So if you're not doing anything in about two hours and pop over to that, you can hit me up on Twitter too, at BTC sessions. I'll tweet it out, uh, tweet it out there. All right. The, it's going to cut us off here. So I'll, I'll finish this in 10 seconds. I'm Adam Meister, Bitcoin Meister, Disrupt Meister. Remember to subscribe to this channel. Pound that like button. Shabbat shalom. Everybody, thank you, panel. That is it. It is going to cut us off. The, and we did it in uh, under an hour. That is awesome. Thank you, panel. Thank you, people watching. Pound that like button. And uh, see.